Welcome to the Rookie Picture Podcast. Each episode, we take an iconic photo and discuss the player or players featured in it. And then you listeners, well, you have the opportunity to win an official licensed copy of that photo. All you need to do is head to Rookie's website, rookie.uk, and you can enter the draw for that photo. For this episode, once again, I'm joined by the man who loves everything that is NBA, Sean Adlam Knight. Hey, Sean, how are we doing? Yeah, not too bad, mate. How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Excited to be back on the mic with you again. Yes. Got some interesting uh, topics to to talk about. Um, first image that we're going to look at. So within this episode, we're going to look at an image of Steph Curry. He's holding the NBA championship trophy back in 2018. That would turn out to be the last of his three titles. And I put the caveat to date because yep. things are going pretty well this year, right? Yeah. Um, so building from the significance of that image, the question I've got for you today, uh, Sean, is has Steph Curry revolutionized the game? I mean, the short answer is just yes. Like, it, it's not even... The way that he plays the game, if you would have shown that to someone when I started playing basketball, so if you want to say that early to mid-90s, they just would have laughed at you and said that that's not how you play this game, that's not how it's, it's done. Um, you can't just launch 35-foot threes and, you know, you can't be 6'3 and fairly unathletic and you know, lead the league in scoring, et cetera. But it, he's changed it to an almost unrecognizable level. So if you watch the Warriors now, compared to even, even if you go back, say, 15 years, like 10, 15 years, watching that team and watching how they play and watching how he plays now is just unrecognizable to to other teams and, and other players. It's, it's so different that for someone like me who's been around the game for a long time, it took a while to get used to it you know and I'm sure you're probably the same you're a bit kind of like at first when he when he came into the league you're just kind of like well is this guy for real yeah I I think it was one of those where it was kind of like most older fans were like this is just a fad this won't last this is he's just having a lucky run and it it won't last it's fine we'll go back to business as usual soon yeah it never quite happened that way right It, it, it never quite happened that way and it kind of got crazier because you had another guy on his team that plays in a similar way you know in Clay Thompson and you've just got this whoever thought you know we're old school in this now let's be honest but whoever thought that you would shoot that many threes in a game and the three-point shot would be that important to your team winning or losing it used to be if you're wide open then you get that shot. If you know, And it was one of the last shots in the rotation. You never really kind of drew up a play for it. It just kind of happened if someone was open, kicked the ball out and it was there. It was, it, you know, you always had a good shooter on the team, but now it just seems like because of Steph, that's the only shot that matters. It's funny. You're absolutely right. If you think back to the, to, to like the nineties, we've obviously, the world's gone mad for last dance in the last year or so. Yeah, yeah. You think back to Steve Kerr, he was special team shooting, right? He had nothing yeah. else in his game. He was undersized, yeah. so defensively he was a liability, but he could shoot the shot. But what contract did that get him? It got him like eighth man. Yeah. Let's be honest. Like and got him just above probably league minimum. Yeah. Not much, but a little bit above league minimum, realistically. Yeah. And there were players across the league that were that stereotype of, yeah, he's a good shooter. He's going to come on. You know, if they're clogging up the paint and we're struggling to score inside, then we can Uh spread the floor a bit and we've got someone that can jack the shot. But again, he's not shooting from where Steph's shooting. He's literally shooting with the tip of his trainers almost skirting along the the three-point line. Um, 
Steph's completely different breed, like you say. So career average, he's averaging over 40% from three-point, 91% from the free-throw line. Um, <laughs> we we, we kind of label Steph with, with this revolution. He's changed the game. Um, there's a three-point revolution in the NBA. And I was trying to s- sit back and think, is it, tr- it can you label it to one person? So I kind of thought, did he truly spark the three-point revolution? Or do we just see him as kind of the poster boy for something that was kind of more a collective happening? You know, I think, you know, the three-point the three shot's always on the right. It was always on the rise, wasn't it? You know, you have players like Ray Allen, uh, who has sort of made it their art form. Um, but it, it was never shot in such volume. And it, Steph really was the first guy you noticed pulling up on the break. Yeah. And shooting these shots and not just pulling up, like you say, from, you know, bang on the three point line, pulling up from 30 feet. Yeah. You know, like it's nothing like the, the, the kind of threes that he takes as just a normal shot. Well, it used to seem like you remember Dan Marley from like way back in the day. Yeah, Thunder Dan. Yeah, he used to think that he was shooting from like the furthest you'd ever seen. And you That's also just... used to think that the only reason he could do that was because he was absolutely ripped. Because he was massive. <laughs> yeah. You kind of thought, man, he yeah. has to be that ripped to shoot that far away. Exactly. But now, it, that's just a normal three. You know, you yeah. see people t- taking it from the logo like it's absolutely nothing. Yeah. It's become, game in, game out, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it used to be that you could name a couple of players that did it. So it was like Steph and maybe Dame. But now it, it it's everybody. You know, Trey Young's out there doing it. And, you know, LeBron's even now out there doing it. So he's had to add that to his game to stay relevant, you know, in, in the current game. So it's just so crazy to see that people pulling up on a break from sort of 30 feet and it's just totally acceptable because I mean, you'll know as well as I do, if we would have done that back in the day, that's a swift sit down. You are never playing again. Oh man, you would just you know? be joked out of the gym, right? Yeah. If you and would have just been laughed at. Yeah, even if it went in, you'd have just still been laughed at for jacking the shot. Yeah, that's the thing. Even if it was good, it didn't matter because it was a terrible shot. Yeah, bad decision making, right? Yeah, but absolutely. Um, so kind of thinking in a bit more detail about this idea of him being the post ball, I think I agree with you, and I like the way you've pitched it in the sense of it's not the three point shot that he's revolutionised. It's how the three point shot fits into the game. Because, like you say. Coaches were moving towards a three-point shot already. You used Ray Allen as a as a prime example, but that was structured offense where plays were being drawn up to clearly create space, set screens, you know, space the floor to enable them to put Ray Allen in the right place to get the shot away. Mm-hmm. I think what what I agree with what you're saying. Steph's changed it in the sense of this isn't structured anymore. This is the same as, you know, any of the great guards of the past where they just started freestyling. They started, you know, be it on the handle or anything like that. It's just become that part of almost the artistic side of the game where, you know, he's got the green light. He can yeah. do what he wants. He can shoot from where he wants. It doesn't have to be within a structured offense. It doesn't have to be later in the shot clock after they've run some options. He can mm-hmm. literally jack it after three, four seconds in the shot clock if he feels that way. And for me, that's the revolution Yes. that we've seen, the fact that he has so much freedom to shoot the three when he wants to shoot it, rather than it being an outcome of some team offense. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's like I said, you know, earlier, it's a total switch of the game, isn't it? It's, you know, you don't even see the te- a team really use the shot clock now. How many times do you see a shot clock violation in the NBA? Oh, it's rare. It, it, it's just so rare, but it used to kind of happen 
fairly regularly, you know, either down to good defense or just the fact that, you know, the, the offense was trying to move the ball as much as they could, trying to find the open shot. But now there's no such thing as a bad shot, is there? You know, it's kind of like, let's just get it in the air and see what happens. It, it makes, it's changed the game to a level where the, the thing that's changed the most for me is the pace of the game. You know, because the NBA has always been and always will be a fast-paced league, but it used to be the only way that you would win was to slow that pace down and be able to slow your opponent down to a level where you then set everything up in half court, back to the basket. Big man was, you know, that's what it's going to be. Your two guard or your big man was going to be your main scorer. But now it's just so back and forth and so quick. And, you know, I think Warriors are on something ridiculous like, 20 plus I can't I don't even remember how many games it is that they've scored 100 points or more yeah which is madness right which is crazy I mean I remember games ending like you know 65 75 and that was normal yeah, but yeah. you know especially last season um, I haven't seen it so much this season but last season there was games at like 140 yeah. and it's like that would be like a triple quadruple overtime game <laughs> but you know they're knocking that out in, in regulation it's just the game is it is totally unrecognizable. Um and it it did. I, I mean I don't know about you, it's a question for you really. Is like how did you find that transition being a fan? Like did it did it change the way you thought about the NBA? Like did it stop did it stop you watching it because it came a bit too much of an entertainment thing? Do you know what it's interesting? Because I think I've always been a fan of European basketball as well, which yeah. for a lot of NBA fans, that's not the case. You kind of love the NBA because it's there's a whole kind of circus and entertainment that sits around it, the culture and everything that sits around it. And you kind of get drawn into that as a as yeah. a bubble. But because I was kind of a bar, consider myself like a basketball purist, we've seen it. You know, yeah. Europe has been kind of pushing the three point play. If anything, it's what's enabled Europe to become more relevant. Mm-hmm. within world basketball is the fact that the NBA has moved away from size. Right. You know, yeah. that that for me is why you're seeing potentially, you know, the, a swing in power now. That's why we're seeing uh, European players being touted for MVPs. Don't get me wrong, the, the last two MVPs, both Europeans, but both, what are they, 6'10", 6'11", if not yeah. bigger? Yeah. They're both bigs, but they don't play like classic bigs and they can both step out well. Giannis is just bringing it to his game. Jokic obviously can shoot the ball, but it, yeah. I just felt coming from a European, it's kind of like, it wasn't such a shock to me. You know, it wasn't something, it was seemed like a natural progression. It was the side of the European game that I enjoyed watching the fact right. of moving the ball, creating space, because it, it's very different to the half-court battles we were used to when you'd see Bill Lambeer clatter yeah. someone in the back of the head with an elbow to try <laughs> and defend them. That kind of, you know, it, it was logical that they'd move away from that, but I think for a lot of people that followed the NBA, it was absolutely weird, right? That the game transitioned because it is a completely different game. It's like an, almost a different sport. If you zoom back 20, 30 years now to watch yeah. game tape, it's so different. Yeah. I mean, and that's what, you know, you said earlier, people have gone crazy for the last dance and, and things like that. That's what become really apparent watching that because that to me, that was, that sort of, that era is peak of my basketball like fandom yeah you know so that's the from like the ni- 91 to like 99 is like that's like yeah, that's where that's, that's all that mattered to me was basketball <laughs> and and you go back and like you watch those games and you watch the way that, that they would set plays and you know the way they would run things and it was all about defense you know and now it's it's just not 
it's just such a different game. And people always say, I know what, what players could play in this era that played in that era. And, and genuinely, I don't think there's more than... Oh, it's a handful, mate. I mean, there's Michael Jordan, because, uh, again, I don't care what anyone says, it's the best... The thing is, you go just through that last dance roster, mm. go through the last dance roster and think about it. Scotty could probably pay. Yeah, Michael could play. Yeah. Horace yeah, couldn't. It. Luke no. Longley couldn't. No. Paxson couldn't. Kerr no. couldn't. Harper no. couldn't. No. <laughs> You know, none of, none of them would exist in the NBA today. There's no, no way that they would. Not a chance. Not a chance. It's just a totally different, totally different thing now. You know, the, like so, like Luke Longley's a great example. Like his position, the slow, you know, the slow exist, right? back to the basket who's got a nice little outside jump shot. It just doesn't exist anymore. No. It doesn't exist unless you can do other things. I mean, like Jokic is is slow and 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 whatever else, but he can shoot the ball and he can pass the ball and he you know there's the million other things that he can do. Yeah. Whereas, you know, the players like that, the just the big brutes that would always get a contract no matter what. Yep. They're gone. Yeah. They're yeah, gone. They, they but they, happen. it seems like they've been replaced with anyone that's just super athletic. Yeah, super athletic or can, like in Steph's case, just shoot the ball yeah. like it, you know, yeah. like he's standing a foot away from the basket when he's when he's 30 plus feet away. Yeah. Um, I want to zoom out on Steph as well because he's kind of a bit of a phenomena that steps through it. Three times NBA champ, two times MVP, seven times all-star. One of the things that I wanted to focus in on, and we've spoken about it in a previous ep- episode, was the fact that he stayed with the Warriors for the whole thing. Currently in his 13th season, this summer he signed a four-year extension that will take him to the age of 37 um, at the Warriors. Uh, I presume we can't see him ever being traded by the Warriors, right? He's right. there now, this contract, even if they wanted to, someone came in and offered up big, Steph's going to be there till he's 37, right? Yeah, I mean, he's not getting traded, no way, I don't think, no. And with that in mind, um, so pretty sure what your answer to this is, and I think we'd agree with it, Jersey retired, Definite Hall of Famer. But the next level for me is, is he statue level? Yeah. So we've I seen mean, a statue outside outside the Warriors arena. 100%. Like, yeah. You know, he he is, he's just that, whether or not he's that good, if you want to look at it as a, a basketball player, but he's just that influential on the game now. He is the NBA, like you know, LeBron is the NBA, and you know Giannis and, and whatever. But all all kids that I see that want to start playing are wearing Steph Curry jerseys. Yeah, and the jack and the yeah. shot up from the half court. I know, and and that's the bad thing because <laughs> they've not learned how to lay the ball up yet, let alone shoot. <laughs> you know, I was talking to a friend of mine about this the other day, and it literally was that he's. It's ridiculous what he does on the court, but it's also ridiculous how much he's made it harder to coach kids. Yeah, he because he's made it look so easy. Yeah, and that's the problem, isn't it? And you know, I don't know if you you read a couple of weeks ago that his training regime during the summer was that they had the metrics done on on the on the basket. So if a shot wasn't a swish straight through, hit no rim at all, they counted it as a miss. Love that. So he's now at a level where you know, I love that the ring is his enemy. That's it. If even if it hits the back rim, goes in, hits scrape, you know, whatever happens, that's a miss. 
Which is fair. It wasn't the plan, right? The plan was to get the ball straight through the hole. Straight through so, the middle, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and a fair point. You know, but it's just absolutely crazy. Like to, to, they're looking at it in that much detail, and he's that good. But, yeah, it's yeah, it's madness. But you get to that level, I suppose, where you do have to create your own challenge. You do have yeah. to to make yourself even better because he seems yeah. to be a guy that isn't going to just sit back and go, "I am what I am." Yeah, you know, he's constantly improved his range has got further and further back every year. He wasn't yeah. shooting this this range three years ago, four years ago. He certainly wasn't shooting this range when they won the title. He'd have the odd shot, yeah. but it's not at this level now. He's yeah. continued to to improve uh, uh, across his playing career. Um, with regards to him as a person, he, he seems a bit of a rarity in the sense of... He, he balances this idea of being a superstar. So he deals with the publicity. He still, you know, does some marketing opportunities to, yeah. to drive some drive some finance for him. But he doesn't seem to approach it with the ego that we see of most players that get to, you know, achieve what he's achieved, get to the level where you're considered literally one of the best players to ever play the game in the world. Hmm. Um, how important has it been to the Warriors organization that he has been that type of person? Do you believe they would have had the success, the three NBA championships, if he'd had more of an ego akin to some of his teammates like KD? Um, do you think how much has that personality been a key to their success as a team and also his success? Um, I think it, it's massive to his success outside of basketball. You know, it's it made him a, a poster boy for the NBA and, and, you know, it gives him, you know, he's got quite a clean image. Um, which the NBA love. Um, but success-wise, I don't... I think when you're that good, it, it just wouldn't have mattered. You know, he could he could be out there screaming in people's faces after every shot and and whatever. I don't think it matters because the, the teams that they put out, you know, and the, in the way that they won the titles that they have, I still think they would have had the same success. So his ego helps keep that team together, maybe. Yeah. Um, because I know he, there was always reports that he took pay cuts to get KD on board and, you know, playing with him is obviously fairly easy because people seem to want to do it. The people at high level want to play with him. Yeah. Um, but I think he's just that good and that freakishly talented that his personality doesn't and, and wouldn't make too much of a difference to the end result. It might yeah, have been yeah, more yeah. colourful getting to the end result, but... Yeah, yeah. I just think the end result. <laughs> a few is, more headlines, right? Yeah, yeah but dramas, I, I think but... the the end result is still the same because, you know, the, the teams they they did put out. I mean, people go on about you know like the seventy three and nine team, and then yeah, they lost three what they lost a three one lead, but you have to remember that LeBron just went absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah. they didn't blow a lead. Situation, right? Yeah, they they didn't blow that lead. LeBron won. You know that that's the difference is they were still playing all right, but. LeBron and Kyrie were playing better. Yeah. You know, but the the way that they just attacked that season and the titles that they've won, I just, yeah, I don't think any ego could have taken that away from them. I don't think, because they're just, you know, and it took me a while to learn to love the Warriors. At first, I wanted to hate them, especially when they signed KD. Yeah, the super team thing was the, yeah, put a bit of a taint on it for a lot of people. But then when you saw how they played the game, yeah, and their leader, as much as KD, Again, he's a freak of nature. I remember seeing him in 2010 at the World Cup in Turkey, and I was just like, this guy's unstoppable. Yeah, you know? yeah. he's unguardable. You still, you still felt that Steph was the leader. 
Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Even though you have one of the greatest players could go down as absolutely top 10 of all time when KD retires, if he can get in the right team with the right teammates around him. Yeah. But you still felt Steph was the face of the franchise for me. He was still yeah. the leader of that team and they were following following him. They weren't yeah. following KD, even if you might class KD as a ultimately a better player, you know, a 6'11 guy that can handle the ball, can pass, can shoot. Uh, you know, they. You still saw Steph as 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 the main man. Another question I've got for you: If you were to take Steph out, so if we were to swap the idea that this was Golden State Warriors and put it for say something that was more historically um, successful franchise, so if it if it had happened in Lake at the Lakers or the Bulls or the Celtics um, or even at the Spurs, for example. Would we have been less excited about Steph? Was it the fact that they hadn't won a title since the mid-70s? And probably from our perspective, when you say Golden State Warriors pre-Steph, it was Mullins, Hardaway, maybe Sprewell yeah. came to mind. Yeah. And that Chris was about Bale. it, right? Yeah. We enjoyed watching them, but they were never going to win anything. Yeah. Did that add to the kind of legacy that he's going to have, that he took a team that really wasn't known for winning stuff and gave them you know, not one title, but three titles. Yeah, 100%. You know, I think that makes a massive difference. You know, it's, it's the same reason that, you know, the Jordan factor, you know, he went to the Chicago Bulls, which were terrible. And he made them, <laughs> he stayed there and he made them into winners. And, and Steph did the same thing. You know, he, he arrived, had injury problems first couple of years, but, uh, you know, and then they, they built the team around him. Yeah, it was six um, I think years. that makes it was six years from him drafted to to their championship. Yeah, you know, so I think it just makes it, it. It's a story, isn't it? You're taking a team that I don't even know if. I mean, Golden State had a good run with uh, Baron Davis. Yeah, yeah, uh, true. Beat Utah, but you know that again. That was just one of those freakish playoff runs that happen because a couple of players just go crazy. Yeah, you know, and and it's one team just falls under the lights and, and you know and can't produce, but. Other than that, they're just they've been perennially average since. Oh, that's the worst thing ever to call anyone, right? <laughs> ever to insult someone. Yeah. But just perennially average. Just, just oh, completely geez. average. But you know, since like I mean, yeah, they, they drafted Chris Webber, whatever, made it to the playoffs, but uh, that was it. You know, it was a, it was the kind of place where you went to as a player and you knew you were gonna have a good season statistically because you had to if you wanted to win any games, you know. So it was the kind of team that it felt like players would end up going to to reinvigorate their career and then move on. And then Steph comes along and they build this like dynasty, and it's just now a juggernaut. Yeah, you know. So I think, and he, the thing is, like you say, they kind of rewrote those rules. They made it almost the norm for super teams to come together, and people will spout Celtics at you. Yeah, you know they built they built a super team, and there are other super teams that have been brought together in the past. But it was the first one that got the spotlight to say they've clearly there's nothing organic about how these teams come together. They clearly are just you know going out to win now. They're not building for the yeah. future and growing. They're just saying right, let's bring all the pieces that are right now to go for a title now. Let's not wait. Let's let's push on and take the title now. Yeah. Um, just stepping off the court a second with Steph. Um, and I know how much you love your sneakers. <laughs> What's the move away from Nike, the biggest mistake ever made by a brand in the history of sports? 100%. Unreal, right? Unbelievable. And the the thought, so if you think back to sort of 2009, 2010, whenever, the thought that 
one of the highest selling basketball shoes in the world would be made by Under Armour. Yeah, man, they just made protective stuff for American football players. They made like yeah. skins, and that was it. That's it. And they, yeah, they did pads and like um, compression tights and stuff like that. Yeah. And that was it. And then suddenly, and who got... picked that? Right, I'm not. You know, he was clearly a good player. He's never averaged under 23 points or five assists in any of his seasons. Yeah. But who in Under Armour turns around and goes, right, 2013, they've not won anything. He's a good player. Um, we're going to sign Steph Curry as our marquee player. He's going to lead our brand. He'd not won. He'd not been an all-star at that point. He'd not won any awards at that point. He'd not been on any all-NBA teams at that point. Yeah. And they went, he's going to be He's going to be the face of our, our basketball brand. It's crazy, right? That is some vision, man. It's unbelievable. Whoever that executive is, he must be dining out on that for a long time. Is it vision or is it the luckiest signing of all time? <laughs> He's claiming vision. He yeah, or she is claiming pure vision. vision. They know the game yeah. better than anyone else. But, you know, it's, it, it's crazy to think that Under Armour were a, a year away from complete bankruptcy. Yeah. You know, and now they've got The Rock making his own shoes through them. <laughs> Which is just ridiculous. Which but we is get absolutely that. ridiculous. And it, but it's, he made Under Armour a household name. And he did. He really did. If if you're if you're like me and you are a bit of a sneakerhead and you are a bit more old school, I still never wear it. No, no, no. I'm never buying Under Armour in my life. Ever. But it it's still. God bless um, them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, unless they want to send me something for free, of course. Yeah. Even then, I don't know if I'd wear them. <laughs> I might sell it. Yeah, I'd, I'd keep them if they're like some Steph Curry's. Yeah. I'd keep them as part of a collection, but I I don't think I'd be seen out wearing Under Armour. No, I don't think that so. That said, I won't be seen out wearing Adidas, so I'm exceptionally picky. Me, me, no, I won't. I won't wear Adidas. I can't do Addies. I can't no, rock Addies can't either. Do can't do it. I'm Nike or Puma all the way, and Puma only because I was indoctrinated when I worked there for five years. I was going to say, you worked there, so you got a bit of, bit of loyalty. But yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm like Nike and, uh, or Converse all the way. And, yeah, no, I've got cons. I'll go cons as well. But yeah, it's uh, I, I still, even though I've got a lot of respect for Steph, and obviously they make a good yeah. shoe because yeah, yeah. he signed in 2013, made his first All Star appearance in 14, won his first title in 15. So yeah, I mean, and, and it is a great shoe. I don't know if you've had one in, in your hand or seen one that they are. They are a great shoe, um, but it's just never going to happen. It's Under Armour. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair dues. Um, going back to the playing side of Steph, and you know me, I'm always going to throw an international basketball question into the mix um, yeah. on all of these podcasts because I love my international ball. One of only 17 players in the history of the game to have won the World Cup twice. Yeah. But people kind of ignore that because the Olympics is the golden tickets, the biggest show in international basketball. Yeah. Do you think that plays on Steph at all? Do you think he'd like an Olympic gold? Do you think we'll see him in Paris in 2024? Because I can't see him being in the Olympics in 28, even though it's going to be on home soil. I can't see him still being around um, the national team at nearly the age of 40. I think he'll be at that point. But do you think we'll see him suit up for Team USA? Because it is... You look at his CV, his resume, it's ridiculous. It's running out of ink. He's got so many, uh, you know, awards on there, but he doesn't have an Olympic medal. Do you think that will motivate him to be part of that roster? I think it's tough with Team USA and and international basketball, isn't it? I think uh, you never really know. Like, I... (laughs) I don't know. I think because the NBA is is just its own thing. And I think because someone like a, a Steph plays so many minutes, gets so many reps and, and whatever, that 
that time is precious to recoup the body. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, I'd like to think so because, because he, because we're probably not going to see LeBron. Um, so he would then become one of the more elder statesmen of the US USA team. So it'd be yeah, nice. Thirty six at that point. Yeah. So it'd be nice to see him there, but I, I just don't know. You know, thirty six years old. You know, you're coming off of a season, going straight to an Olympics, and then going straight back into a season. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't think international basketball means enough to sacrifice, especially if he's still playing at a high level. You know, if if the Warriors are still, you know, conference finals or or above and making those kind of runs deep into the playoffs, then no, I don't think so. I don't know. I, I have an inkling he'll be there. I really, truly believe yeah. it. I think he's that kind of competitor where it'll be like, I, I need it. I need to do that. I need I need to, you know, to complete complete the trophy hall. I think also it being Paris, yeah. probably an easier sell to the family, right? Yeah, yeah. Would you true, like to come true. to Paris for, for three weeks in the summer? Yeah. I think that's true. an easier sell to the, to his uh, to his other half and his kids. I think they might buy into that a little bit easier than uh maybe some of the other locations. I just think he'll do it. I truly believe he'll do it. Um and I the other thing that excites me about that is if a name such as Steph signs up who does that drag with him yeah who else is going to go yeah i'm gonna have a run at that steph's gonna do it let's do it let's go and create dream team whatever it will be at that point um i think that would potentially be exciting and to be honest i don't know if you sort of qualifies this this weekend for the world cup um isaiah thomas was playing in the usa squad mad that he's still a free agent but that's a, a conversation for another day they only beat cuba by five points yeah and then they lost to Mexico by nine. Yeah. Which, and the thing is, I actually like that because this is turning around to these teams and saying, you've got to take it seriously. Yes, the World Cup will not be as good if USA aren't there. It is a big detriment if USA aren't there. But by God, is it going to be embarrassing for you as an organization and as a nation if you're not there? I truly believe it's getting to that stage where they've got to show because their MVP is pretty much always European now. Yeah, it's they've got to show that America is the home of basketball still because yeah. it's starting to get dragged away from them a little bit. The NBA will also always be the pinnacle of basketball, but the percentages that are American is reducing every yeah. single year. Yeah, and no, the chances no. of them winning titles internationally is reducing every year. So yeah. I hope Steph goes and I hope he drags, uh, you know, a, a, a new look dream team along with him. You know, the likes of Trey Young um, would be great to see him playing in the Olympics, that kind of younger talent with a few guys just chasing that Olympic gold would be great. Yeah, I mean, you'd, li- you'd like to think so. Um, and I think you're right that, you know, it is being taken away from Team USA um, and they do have to reassert that dominance again. Um, but yeah, I, I, don't, I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know if, you know, it, I think it depends if he gets another ring before then then maybe you see him say, okay, now yeah. I've got to go and, you know, get that the last part of my CV. But if they don't and they're still in contention for, yeah, yeah, yeah. the rest could top it. And, you know. Yeah, I know what you mean, actually. I, I it need- almost feels like it's, <clears throat> it's similar to the Jordan kind of thing, right? Winning yeah, yeah. championships, failing for a few years, coming back, going again. Yeah. Feels like that's a challenge, right? 
yeah. having a roster. One of the main players leaves, kind of disintegrates the roster a little bit. We have injuries. And then we're going to have this kind of renaissance at, yeah. and go and win another title. Don't get me wrong, they're looking ridiculously good this year. Yeah, they which do. No one good. was expecting because Clay's not back, right? Um, yeah. and I saw a quote from him, which is great. He goes, I don't want to come back until I can be one of the best players in the world like I was. Yeah. And I'm just like, I love that. That's confidence. Yeah. Just on the right side of arrogance. I am one of the best players in the world and I, I don't want to come back from injury until I can be that person again. Yeah. Just, yeah. I love that as a basketball you fan. To expect, you know, uh, I just think that, I mean, can they win the whole thing? I don't know. Um, but the thing with the Warriors has always been they, they do live and die with Steph. If Steph gets hurt, which he is. This is the thing for me. It comes down to injury. When you look at that yeah. roster, it's not deep. There aren't guys that are going to step up and fill. No, no. If, if Steph gets hurt, they lose 30 points a game and there is no one to bring that back up. Oh, you put Clay back in there. Okay, fine. But if Clay's not going to come back at 100%, now he's going to come back somewhere around 70% and he's going to be at 100 or 90 to 100% by the time the playoffs start. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, they're all. Also, they're I always, think Clay without Steph makes it a lot harder for Clay to do what he does. Well, that's because all Clay does is move off the ball. Yep. He doesn't want the ball in his hands. I can't remember the stat I saw for one of his games. He had the ball in his hands like 15 seconds and scored 20 odd points. Yeah. And you're just like, how does, how, what, how's that? But that's his game. He doesn't want the ball in his hands. He he just want, he's the one that creates the space. Yeah. So when the double comes across, he's wide open, wide open and can drain the three. You take Steph out of that. He's not going to produce what he can produce. So I agree with you. I think they can do it if luck is on their side with regards to injury. I think yeah. if they can stay healthy um, and stay together as a team, then they've got a chance of, of a run at the playoffs. And looking at some of the other teams <laughs> that we were expecting to be big, they just seem to be disintegrating, right? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the, the two teams coming out of the West at the minute look like look to be Phoenix and the Warriors. Which is mad. Which is crazy. But Phoenix are absolutely destroying the entire league, which I love to see. The Lakers they have such a chip on their shoulder about oh, how yeah. people have talked about them, though. That's yeah. the thing. They're powered by how disrespected they've yeah. been by everyone. You know, the Lakers, the thing is with the Lakers, if it does all click, it's game over. Yeah, they're unstoppable. You know, if, if it all clicks into place, then they are as close to an unstoppable team as you can imagine. You know, coming out of the East, I mean, Kyrie Irving's ruined that, really, if we're honest. Yep. Because Brooklyn should be blazing a trail, but they're not because of whatever reason. You know, it's his choice, absolutely, but whatever. But it does make it look good for Steph, right? He's yeah. put Steph in a position to try and claim that fourth ring. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before we wrap up our episode today, there's just a few questions, and they're big ones, but not in the sense of big answers, just big questions. Okay. Um, do you consider Steph to be the greatest shooter in NBA history? Yes. Okay, that was just definitive. Because yes, he's the greatest shooter. Yes, you know, people have, at, at this point, Ray Allen's scored more threes, right? <laughs> but that'll be, by the end of this year, that record's gone. Yeah. You know, and no one has done it in such a way. You know, no one has done it with so much flair and so much drama and just like I'm more surprised when I watch a Warriors game and he misses than I am when it goes in. <laughs> Which is crazy. Which, Which is, is crazy madness. considering 
how hard he's being defended and where he's shooting a ball from. Right. Um, okay, next question for you then to wrap up. Can you see, how much of a unicorn is Steph? Can you see anyone replicating or surpassing his shooting ability in the near future? Or is he literally one of a generation we're just not going to see that type of player in the near future? We're not going to see the same someone that good, I don't think. But, I mean, Trey Young's a clone of uh, of, of Steph, really. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, so, I mean, uh, he's never going to be – he's a great shooter, but he's not Steph levels. Maybe yeah. he has a long career, um, which I don't think he will. Um, but, no, I, I don't think we – we see other players emulate his game and play like him, but do we see someone do it better? No, 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 no. I don't think so. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I'm in line with you. Um, final thing to wrap up, and this is probably going to be the challenging one for you. So when we are old and gray, well, even older, yeah. even grayer. <laughs> yeah. Um, how would you explain the Steph effect to really young ballers? Maybe, bef- you know, they'd not seen him play. He'd retired mm-hmm. before they really started watching the game. How do you explain how Steph changed the game? You have to show them highlights. You have to say, sit down and watch this game from 1994. <laughs> yeah, look at the sit elbows. Down and watch this game from 2014 yeah. and tell me what the difference is. Um, yeah. and, and I think... You, you have to educate them on the fact that basketball has historically been played by people six, seven and above. Um, and he's not, he's six foot three. Um, yeah, and he's, yeah. he's doing things that, that we've never seen. And, you know, you, I, I don't know how you explain it because I can't explain it. You know, I, I don't, I'd like, if someone says to me, you know, what, you know, did you ever expect to see someone like Steph or, you know, how does Steph do what he does? I just don't know. Because it's it's unexplainable because he's just that good at what he does. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same as you. I was, I was trying to think, could you could you kind of put a proxy from another sport? And I was thinking, right, football's going to be say say it was a football fan, and you were trying to explain it to someone who didn't really get basketball. Mm. I can't. I don't think there is a player that's done that. I don't think there is a player within football, for example, or any other sport that I can think of that I know well that has that has changed the way the game is played. No. So revolutionary, so chalk and chalk and cheese. The, I don't, you know, people go, what about Ronaldo or Messi or Mbappe or Neymar or, you know, Ronaldinho? I truly don't believe any player. They've played the game better than their predecessors. Mm-hmm. They haven't changed the way the game's played. I think it, the only other player that completely changed the way the game was played is, uh, I mean... Mike, Michael Jordan played, changed the way it was played, but not as drastically. He was still just emulating Dr. J. He was just 10 times more athletic and, you know, he was shooting the ball and and playing defense as well. But Steph just changed it. Yeah, I mean, there, there's nothing. There's, there's literally, there is no other sport where someone has come in to a sport and just gone, no, we don't play it like this anymore. The and only thing, the thing I, I like your MJ, your MJ analysis, but I look at it and think he played the game a different way. Yeah. But the game carried on the way it was. We still yes. drafted six, 10 bruisers to throw elbows for his entire career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. Steph, it, it, it literally the way GMs are recruiting teams it's is different. different because of the way Steph yeah. plays the game. Don't get me wrong, there's other players, there's a cohort that sits around that, and Steph to a certain degree is the poster boy for this change. 
but that's what's happened. It's, you know, MJ was playing it a different way on a different level, but the game kind of tried to carry on the way it was, whereas it hasn't done that with the way that Steph has changed the game. Yeah. I th- Do you know what? The only thing, like, thinking about it, the only sport I can think of that someone changed it that much is uh, women's tennis. Serena yes. and Yeah, Venus. good shout. They're the only people that I know that it went from one sport to one very, very different sport. Yeah. Very good shout. Dominant. You know, that's the only time I can think where there's been two, like an athlete and you've gone, well, that's just changed everything. Yeah. Yeah. The sport is now complete and it was yeah. a flip of a switch, maybe even more so in tennis. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good shout. That's that's some quick thinking on the fly yeah, there. Yeah. Very impressed. <laughs> Very impressed. Um, okay. So, that's going to wrap up our episode um, around Steph Curry revolutionising the game. Sean, thank you so much for your time. Much appreciated. My pleasure. Good fun as always. Yep. Um, and thank you guys for listening in. Remember, if you want to get your hands on an official licensed copy of that Steph Curry photo, him hugging the NBA trophy back in 2018, all you need to do is head over to rookie.uk, enter our draw, and one lucky winner will have that wing in their way to them. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back again soon with another episode. Until then, have a good one, and we'll see you all soon. 